we need to spend a little bit of time talking about the difference between having a mental health disorder, perhaps a mental health challenge, something that's just contextually happening in your life, and somebody who may just really almost mislabel those kinds of things without knowing why. That, that it could be just a normal part of life that you're going to incur some struggles and not every day is gonna be a day full of rainbows and unicorns. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Klimzeski with Tyler Weeb. Today we're gonna to talk about mental health, which I know is a gigantic topic, but I wanna very carefully parse it into the actual health part as in we all have a mental health status, like we have a physical health status. Uh, on the other end of the continuum, we hear a lot about mental health diagnoses and disorders, but in the middle is a lot of gray area. And Tyler, I was, I was interesting just you know looking up some stats and so forth. And, and I know that a lot of my mental health therapy friends get into some of these discussions where it's like, you know, the DSM is bad. We shouldn't even diagnose people. And then you have people like Jonathan Haidt, a social psychologist talking about uh, fragility and anti-fragility and, you know, what social media is doing to us and the increase of diagnoses. And I know, especially in the West, that there, there are some clues that I think if, if we can pull more people away from a perhaps wrong need for diagnoses and to even think they have disorders and to show them that this is just maybe contextually what you're going through. Maybe this is just part of real life. Not every day is unicorns and rainbows uh, because I know on the biological side, you and I are going to cover that. Like I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a mental health therapist. And so I can't tell people if they have a biochemical issue that needs to be addressed. That exists. That's a real thing. But when one in eight people in the world are diagnosed with a mental health disorder and double that in the U.S., when we have three times the amount of medication being doled out for things like anxiety and depression, and we have more things, more opportunity, more wealth, there's a disconnect. And I, and I think, again, there are some breadcrumbs that will lead us to at least some answers that can be helpful. And it just reminds me that uh, one of my friends who is a therapist, she said this particular generation, as we were talking about some of that Jonathan Haidt work and so forth, she said, Joe, I, I, I have a daughter who is in college. And she said, it's just a game right now where this generation wants to compete with how many diagnoses they have, how many labels they have, how many medications are they on? And she said, it's something she's never seen before. And she said, I am doing therapy with more parents than I am kids because the parents don't know how to deal with this. You know, they've, they've done the same thing for all of their children. And, and this Gen Z is really hitting a wall for some reason. And, and I'm curious because I know you take mental health very seriously. Um, and back into that disordered camp, just for sake of definition, if you're going to use the DSM, you know, a psychiatrist or, or psychologist of some sort, uh, you have to verifiably prove that somebody's condition is impacting negatively their cognition, their ability to emotionally regulate, uh, or their behavior in general. And again, I, I just think there are a lot of people uh, who we could maybe just tease away from that and more on the cognitive behavioral side, not the medication side, 
you know, dig into that. Then I know you've gone through some therapeutic work. Uh, so have I, you know, just volitionally when, when I wanted to kind of work on myself and sort some things out. Um, and, and I just want to kind of hear about your journey into that. Couple thoughts. First one, and we don't have, this might be a side tangent, but I'd be always interested to hear your thoughts. I think my theory, why you're seeing a lot of parents like my age now getting into, into therapy is because we're coming from generations that just did not know how to be emotional and, and talk about emotion. And so we grew up in a society where it was like, bottle it up, bottle it up. But now more and more that mental health is becoming a okay thing to talk about. You're starting to see us all come out of the woodwork. And I think, and I think you look back on, you know, what we've been through uh, a couple recessions, you know, wars, like, and granted it's, that's history. That's, you know, time is a flat circle, but we are now, you know, getting to this point where it's like, okay, to talk about mental health. And so I think you're starting to almost see like, just like in anything, the pendulum is swinging to the extreme and everyone's trying to get on medication. Everyone's like you said, you know, it's a game like, oh, I'm, I'm on this. I'm on that. Like, you know, how much can I tell people that I have a mental disorder? And I think it is a positive thing. But again, it, it, it's swinging to that extreme end of things. And you're right. Like I have been through, you know, quite the journey over the last, you know, four to you know six years since I started therapy. I, I kind of like to say I should, maybe I shouldn't, but like, I kind of felt like I slept walk through the first almost, you know, 25 years of my life. Like, you know, you just kind of on autopilot almost, and you don't really know what's going on. And so, you know, the last four to six years have been, it's been a journey and it's been a lot of work and it's been a lot of hard work and it's been not fun at all. And there's been, excuse me, there's been months and, and weeks where every day it's like a battle to get out of bed and just do the most basic things like the, the apathy, the, the deep sadness, the, the, the will to not do anything. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to do like video replies because I just do not have the emotional capacity to put myself on video. I would have to sit there and type it out. And sometimes it would take me 10 minutes just to write like one email because I'm fighting myself every inch of the way just to type out that next word. And, and so it is a, it is a hard thing. And, and like you said, you know, it's, there's the, the, the behavioral, the, your history, you know, what have you been through in your life? How have you perceived things? You know, what, I don't know if trauma is the right word because I think, you know, that, that could be skewed, but you know, what big moments in your life have you gone through that have like created a part of your personality? Like, for example, for mine, I was a, I was a bit of a loner, like all the way through like elementary, middle school, like very much to myself, didn't have a lot of friends, got into high school. I wanted to have friends. And so like I created a whole different personality so that I could become popular. Like I, I, I remember distinctively, like I am going to start to act in a way that I can be liked. It worked, but guess what I deal with now? the crippling anxiety and situations of does this person like me? And I will sometimes be in bed at the end of a day. And I will go through every single conversation that I had that day and pick out my 
perceived mistakes and perceived gaffes and perceived things that I'm like, oh man, I look stupid doing that. And so that was something that like I had to like, I never really realized. I never really understood until I started going to therapy and, and working through my anxiety and my, my depression and, and this and that. It was like, oh, okay. Like I can see how 13 year old Tyler, 15 year old Tyler viewed a situation for how lonely, sad and depressed he was, created a personality that would be liked and, and did that. But now we're dealing with the consequences. Now, now that I've grown up, I've become a lot more comfortable with actually who I am and I've gone through the therapy. So yeah, it's, it's a big topic. Well, you, you really framed that extremely perfectly in that you went right over to the cognitive behavioral side, which is, you know, as I said, we, we can't deal with the biology, biochemical imbalances, things like that. You, you've got to talk to people and, and see if there's something that you need. But most of us, anywhere from that edge on over, you, you mentioned going to therapy and, and four to six years of work. And off camera, you said um, that, you know, you, you did this. It was, it was hard, but you did it. And, and you said you, you, you really recreated yourself. That's important because that's an opportunity we all have if we're going to take it and be self-aware enough to, to want that. And um, I would say that I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to project and you tell me if I'm right. When you look at your childhood and say, wow, this is, I kind of created this shell, this imposter, I hid from this, I'm, I'm doing this now and here's the result today. Dude, we all do that. We all have that. We all have those things and it comes from personality psychology, our context, or, you know, both parents, there's, you know, daddy issues and mommy issues on both sides, trust me. And until you really are willing to look at that, I don't think you can crack that open. And so even though you said you've had some really traumatic times, as you described, just not even being able to get out of bed, some of those, some of those true depressive tendencies I'm guessing that you've seen substantial improvements, even if it comes in waves and then regress a little bit and comes in waves and so forth, simply because you are taking the time to think about those things and, and with a professional work through them. Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> there was even a point where like we thought I might be bipolar as well um, for how extreme my highs and lows were starting to get and how cyclical they were. Um you know, we're just, that's besides the point, but yeah, it, it does very much go up and down because it's not like you just go into a session and it's like, okay, we figured it out. Like it does, you know, require that, that, that session and then thought and processing and alone time and letting it just kind of percolate. Like what I would do is I would have my session and then I would let things percolate for three days. I almost wouldn't even think about it directly, but it was always kind of just in the back of my mind, you know, kind of, you know, working through it in the background. And eventually it would be just kind of be like a, a light bulb. It'd be like, oh, okay. Like, and then we make that connection and you're almost then able to take that next step. And I think such an important thing for me to understand, like going through therapy is that you're feeling this way for a reason do not fight it. There are no bad feelings. There are no, it's like, there's no bad food or good food. 
There's no bad feelings. There's no good feelings in a true sense of the word, because it's all part of you. You're feeling this for a reason. You're thinking this for a reason. You're acting this way for a reason. And that's okay. As long as we're doing the work, figuring out the why and working through that. And instead of trying to fight it all of the time, which would just make it worse because you start going up around in this circle of why am I feeling like this? I shouldn't feel like this. I'm trying to fight it, but now I'm so tired trying to fight it all day. I just don't give a shit about anything. Like, and it becomes this just like round and round circle that people will just spiral or at least myself will spiral themselves into. And so it was about understanding, Hey, like it's okay to feel like this, embrace it, look at it, go. I see you. I, I, you're here. It's okay but I'm not going to let it control me, right? That's the difference in, in what I was working through. Well, you know, the, the other part of the framing that you mentioned initially is that there's not just this potential overdiagnosis because it's being overdiagnosed, but because more people are aware, more people are thinking about it, they're working through these things, which is the very, very, very positive side of that. Um, you know, where it becomes a little bit troublesome is when we st- Start thinking that there is, as you said, something wrong with me and I'm powerless. There's no self-efficacy for you to think, okay, this is why I feel the way I do. I think the way I do, what can I do about it? Then we can start taking those steps. You mentioned the neuroplasticity component. It takes time and processing sometimes even in your subconscious and you're exactly right. I mean, you go back to Carl Jung and Freud and uh, Nietzsche and even, you know, before there was quote psychology and William James and all those people just to the philosophers, like, like David Hume, I mean, wow, we've been, I mean, geez, go all the way back to, you know, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle. Like these are things that we've been thinking about for millennia. And right now is the first time people are saying, Hey, that's okay. That is part of actual health and wellness, but there's an interesting personality psychology quirk that those of us in athletics, physique, sports, advanced, aggressive, just, just physicality, because we do want it all. We're typically kind of high achievers. We want a better standard to hold ourselves to. And so when those days that aren't quite so perfect hit us, I think it has a little bit more impact. And we try to grind our way. And and like you said, get very frustrated in that all those days aren't where we want And that leads to more anxiety or potential depression. So I think you do have to ask yourself some very, very central philosophical questions, such as, is it okay that life really does include a good measure of suffering? Is it okay to not feel okay? In these contexts that I may not be feeling my best, how can I identify those variables that are probably impacting it so I can at least work on the things I can work on? And that's, that's where I said, I, I just want to see people move closer to a sense of empowerment and true wellness instead of just thinking, oh, it's a diagnosis, it's a thing, give me another drug, I'm broken, and there's no hope. I mean, there's, there's just a lot more of that today than there used to be. Life is suffering. <laughs> who said that? I, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, was it Hugh? No. Who was that? Like Buddha. 
Was it Buddha? Okay. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure like, I'm sure everyone, like some philosophers said that. At I thought some you were point, kidding at first. I thought you were setting me up for a joke, but you no, 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 truly life is suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, 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 you're born and you start dying right away. Right. Like well, that's, that's, that's why those Eastern religions, Hinduism and Buddhism are so profound because all other religions give you things to try and work toward and you're punished if you do something wrong. Here's perfection. You've got to go do that. Or in more modern religions, okay, we know we can't do that. So here's this, we'll sprinkle some grace and call it all good. But the Eastern religions are like, no, it's just miserable. Like, like your life is going to be nine tenths miserable. So you better enjoy that one tenth and not to be cynical, but truly, I mean, we know people who are just flat out content and happy, and most of them have been through the darkest shit you'll ever hear about, and they've figured it out. They figured out that because life is suffering, I am going to really enjoy it, and guess what? It's probably not that bad, you know, especially people listening to our podcast, you know, considering what's happening in other parts of the world. It, you're, you're probably really not doing as, as poorly as you think in terms of, of what you're struggling with. Definitely. I, I do want to kind of push you a little bit on that. Uh, maybe not push you because I think you're going to agree with me on it. But just because somewhat, and I know because I struggled with this myself, just because other people have it worse off than you does not discount what you're feeling and what you're going through at the moment. I, I, we cannot get into the compare game because that's a rabbit hole that you will just fall down. And then you're going to feel like you're, it's almost going to make it worse because you're like, well, I'm a piece of shit for feeling this way when there's, you know, a billion kids dying in Yemen. Right. Like, well, I, yes. I, I, appre- I totally appreciate you calling me out on that because as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I, I knew we, I had to clean that up it, it, with a, <laughs> a little bit of a qualification. So I'm glad you immediately pounced on it. Yeah, um, because I, I do want to give both sides of that coin. You are absolutely right. You cannot do that. My uh, my youngest child is is going to be a psychologist, and that's one thing we've talked about. And I mean, just that that gets uh, um, you know discussed a lot. Yeah, but there is a truth to that. In Definitely. that, in that, as soon as I start feeling like, oh, my day is so crappy. Think of all this work I have to do. I am so miserable, and then millions of people are, are dislocated in Ukraine. 20,000 babies are going to die and children of starvation today. Rape is still used as a normal military process all over the world. Uh, and I'm just not feeling great because I've got too much work to do. So I, I know what you're saying is true. You know, your feelings are your feelings and they're valid. But I think if we do start to create some bigger perspective, broaden our scope, you, you, you do start feeling less and less anxious and depressed. You just, you just do. Yeah. It can, it, it will definitely put it a little bit more into perspective and yeah. How lucky we are to, to just be randomly born where we were in the situation that we both grew up in. Right. Um, and so it, it, the, you know, the onus is on you then to have that one tenth of, you know, making life, pretty fucking awesome. You know, I kind of think of that poem. Um, 
that what your favorite poem uh it's 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 in my desk somewhere but they're talking about you know there's two different bursts you're you're looking up at the sky and you're just blown away do you know what i'm talking about oh, the one um I'm- the last messiah yes exactly. and i've always interpreted that second birth of becoming self-aware right of okay we have that first birth of the normal but now that second is full self-awareness of everything around you and who you are and you know why you do what you do and the the work never ends it's it's a continual thing um but you know to to be able to just achieve kind of that second birth is, is kind of you know pushing you you know, past that point and, and allowing you to kind of take those steps to start to work through those things, start to kind of, you know, peek behind the curtain, if you will, and, and really kind of start to dive into, you know, who you truly are, you know, as a person. Well, you know, for our fitness community, I, I don't even want to try and get into every single type of situation that our clients kind of find themselves in and, and we start kind of going through a laundry list of the things that we should try and make them aware of. I, I think in a, just a more central tenet, it's, it's the fact that a lot of us are pursuing better health because it's a privilege to do so. If you're not just fighting for survival, but you can do this because you want to do it, you've got a pretty strong leg up in the world historically. Um, like you said, doesn't mean we're not going to feel things. We're not going to have those days. And there could be some biochemical things there, but I I want to at least insert into the conversation, the seasonality of these things. You you mentioned kind of sleepwalking through the first 25 years of your life. And I wanted to immediately jump in and say, but that's normal. Like, you know, you you don't become so your world is this big at that point. And so now that you are creating that second birth, as you said, of awareness and everything else, like that is a very, very ripe time to say, man, I, I have all this opportunity. And then all of a sudden you get into that anxiety, but I only have one life. What if I make the wrong decisions and I choose the wrong partner? I choose the wrong career. And, and, and again, out of the abundance of those opportunities, we start creating some of these mental health tensions. And, and I just want people to realize that in even your best physical pursuits, there are going to be some cycles through there. You're going to, you're going to have injuries and you're going to have some permanent disability type injuries. At some point, you're going to hit roads where all of a sudden you decide, man, I've been doing this for 20 or 30 years and I love it. It's the biggest part of me. And now I can't do it quite like that anymore. And this is where we feel a lot of that depression and anxiety as high achievers, where we want that high standard. And we just have to learn to sit back with that bigger picture and say, but I'm still having a great life. I still am in control and I'm loving every second of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we also can get caught up in feeling like it's going to last forever. Uh, I, I know that I've been through that when it's, you know, I'm on week four, week five and nothing's changing. It's, am I ever going to get out of this? Is this ever going to change? Am I going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life? And those thoughts are scary, like, because the, your thoughts then turn to other avenues of escape. And, you know, that then can be another very slippery slope of, of where you head with that. And so, you know, I'm, I was kind of, you know, when you were saying that you're going to have this, you know, I'm always brought back to professional athletes. And I know I've mentioned this like a lot on the podcast, but the ability of them to 
be able to handle the stress that they do, not just business-wise, like winning, but stress from fans. Man, like they're, they deal with a ton of stress. For them to be able to not ride the highs, not ride the lows, but just stay here, man, like it is so impressive where you can just hold steady, not get too high, not get too low. Sure. If you're feeling a little high, man, get, get that little extra bit of work done, right? Like take advantage of it, knowing that it's probably going to go away at some point, right? Like, I think we all know what those highs feel like. You, you feel like you can conquer the world. You put 20 goals on your to-do list and, you know, two weeks later they're you know, you're not doing any of them. At least that's, that's how I've been in the past. And yeah, just to be able to learn to ride that middle ground is, is paramount. It, it, it's not easy. Um, and it does take, you know, a lot of work and you're still going to find yourself getting caught up in the highs and the lows. That's just normal. But for the most part, if you can kind of find that mid middle ground, for the most part, you're probably going to be okay. You know, emotional wise, depression wise, et cetera. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to end with that metaphor because I think it's perfect in that as I interpret what you just said as that middle ground, that's where self-efficacy is because the highs are still going to be the highs. The lows are still the lows, but with your athletic performance metaphor, you're looking at a highly trained, highly skilled person who knows despite the highs or the lows, they still have to be present and focused and get the job done. And that's where, as we're dealing with the, the mental health challenges and we're trying to improve our mental health, you, you still have a life to live and you still, you have to be able to integrate all of that together. So, you know, we're not going to solve any problems here today, Tyler, but I, I hope it was a good starting point as a conversation for our listeners and viewers. And I think it gives us a nice little foundation to even spring into some of these nuanced topics because it's, it's just big. Uh, it is real life. And uh, we, ha we have to do it together. So thank you guys for watching the Mind Muscle Connection. We will see you guys next time.